Welcome to My Creative Classroom, an EdTech podcast that focuses on highlighting educational tools that can help teachers transform learning in or out of their classrooms. I interview industry experts to discuss the details of their products in order to help you make an informed decision on whether or not this product is right for you. As an educator with over a decade of experience both in and out of the classroom, I know that time and money are both precious. So I hope my conversations will help you in your creative journey through education. My name is Brian Willette and welcome to My Creative Classroom. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me on My Creative Classroom. Today's episode brings to you the very exciting Candace Stump from Manga High. Candace, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. So Candace, let's start off by telling our listeners a little bit about who you are um, and even what your role is with Manga High. Sure. So I started off my career in quantitative analysis and economics, and then I was in the tech industry for a few years, and then I went into education. And I was an educator for 17 years, I want to say. And I still teach I still teach here and there because I can't not teach. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so I actually was in um, an innovative classroom and an innovative space. So I was in a maker school. And we taught out of a maker space. And we, we worked with, um, it, was, it was basically a student-centered environment. So we were, we were fortunate enough to be able to create that. And um, then when California wildfires hit, things needed to change because the building was, was gone. Um, and so, so now I, I wanted to, I wanted to make an impact, right? I wanted a broader impact and not that you're not making an impact in schools. Everybody does, right? And every single teacher in every single school makes an impact. But given that my school wasn't there, then I really had to sit back and evaluate how I wanted to make an impact. And so I made the choice to, um, get into educational technology, feeling like I, I could then support more teachers across the across the continent. So that's what I'm doing for Manga High. Um, and I work as their um, School of Partnerships director. And so I do uh, most of the most of the work with large districts and then also with with other companies or organizations that we can that we can partner with to create a better experience for teachers and students. So I really um, Good example of that is one that we're working on right now with NWEA, which is the assessment group, um, and that that will allow us to be able to import their assessment data, and then make instructional recommendations that are tailored specifically to the student based on those assessments. So it just lets us really dial into how to support students better. And that actually sounds like a fantastic feature. But before we dive into that connection with the NWEA and those assessments and how it can build into the software, what is Manga High? Great question. Yeah. So Manga High is actually a math supplement support program. And what we are not intended to replace a traditional curriculum, but we work alongside a curriculum, whether that's a traditional or an innovative one. And we help make practicing and learning math more fun. So it's a gamified platform and um, it also has game-based learning. So the math is actually embedded in the mechanics of the game. So embedded mathematics into this gamified learning. So what does that look like? I guess as a student, am I just playing video games the whole time and I'm kind of subconsciously getting math, you know, in the back of my mind? Or, or what does that look like, a, you know, when a student is, is learning math through gamified learning? Well, it's interesting you should ask. There's actually, there is a difference between gamified learning and game-based learning. And we actually have both. So, and the definition of the, the difference there really would be that in game-based learning, the game itself 
is the learning environment. So it's a constructivist environment, right? You're exploring the environment and you're learning about the different aspects of how to be successful because every game is has a success condition, right? So when you want to identify how to be successful, that always includes math. You can't win the game without doing math. So it's built in. So in that sense, it's game-based because the way that you succeed is you win the game and the way that you win the game is you do the math. And there's a lot of cases actually where we do game-based learning. So it's really interesting if you look around, um, you know, people that compete professionally, whether they have, I don't know, maybe they're in, maybe they work in a shoe store and they have sales targets or, you know, we, uh, <laughs> we make a game out of anything. It's like total Mary Poppins, right? If you can make a game out of something, then it's enjoyable because you have the potential to win the game. So it also makes it safe for us to lose because no game that you play, do you ever go in and say, this is a great game. I always win. It's just not how, that's not how games, that's not how they're fun. So we play games because they're fun, but they're fun because they're a little bit challenging. And that helps kids really kind of go around that idea of, ah, it's challenging, I can't do it. It's more like, oh, it's challenging and I might win it. And then there's the, um, the gamified section, which are the prodigy activities. And those activities are adaptive. They're not a game specifically, but they are curated and they're pretty bite-sized and they also scaffold. So they start with easy, then they go to medium, hard, and then extreme, which just means extension. And so it keeps that student at their low, at their right where they need to be, right? Their edge of learning or the zone of proximal development, like right where they need to be to learn well. And in that sense, those activities are, are heavily gamified because, you know, if they if they're not able to be successful, they get an easier question. If they succeed, they get a harder question. And it's always done in, in quantities of 10. They get a score. They can earn a medal. Like we gamify the process. In that sense, it's not that's not game-based learning. That's gamified learning because you're making the task into a game. Game-based learning is when the game itself is the game itself is it's not a, it's not a task that you make into a game. The game itself is already a game. And it's interesting to to, to hear how one platform or one support system can have both in there. And and you mentioned something called Prodigy. Is that you know, is Manga High and Prodigy two separate entities or is that part of this platform called Manga High? Oh, thank you for that question. Um, there's actually, Manga High is a single platform and then within the platform, there are two different types of activities. And one is called Prodigy with an I and those are those adaptive 10 question format gamified learning pieces. And then there's the games themselves. And what is what is most important to know too is students can access both of them, and and in general the the way that they're assigned goes back and forth. Some teachers do two activities in one game, um, one game activity, and assign it in that way. Frankly, during the pandemic, we've seen a lot of teachers just assigning the games themselves in order to make math fun, engaging, and to give students something to look forward to. But all of them actually appear on the um, on the dashboard, and they're all standards aligned. So it's great. It's like you assign a video game to a student, let's say the kid goes in and they play all this, they play all these levels about fractions and ordering things and whatever. And so the kid's experience is, I just played a video game, but the teacher's experience is, I go to the dashboard and I see how successful they were with a learning objective that's aligned to standards. And that, let's dive into that dashboard because, you know, we, we, we talked about the two versions, kind of the gamified and the game based. So as a teacher, what what do I get that helps me understand where my students are in the sense of mathematics uh, when I'm using Manga High? So on the dashboard, there's actually um, the activity that the student has tried will appear. And it depends on whether the teacher has assigned it or whether the student has self-selected that activity as to where it appears. 
but the information reported is all the same. So they'll see what standard the activity is aligned to, and then they'll see what medal the student earned. And in, very intentionally, we don't ever do percentage correct because that's not what we're trying to get the student to focus on. What we're trying to get the student to focus on is being successful learning the objective, right? And if you needed 15 attempts or you needed two, it doesn't matter. It's did you achieve the objective? So we always try to make sure that all of the feedback that we give them is, is based on, you know, play this activity, not work on this activity, right? So play this activity and, oh, look, you earned a medal. So it's about playing and earning and doing well. And a great way to look at it, right? So that the students are playing and I guess not realizing that they're doing the math, but you know, they're doing it and the teacher is still getting this authentic data in this dashboard to understand where their students are, how they're progressing through these medals that that kind of help them understand. So when you when students are, are completing these tasks, whether they're self-selected or a teacher selects it for them, does it then kind of follow the curriculum? Is it, you know, a teacher then is able to choose from a list because a student got a gold medal on an activity and they say, okay, well, maybe you choose from these, you know, three or four activities because they did so well on the other ones that you've assigned? So that's a great question. Um, it actually, the activities are clustered and they're split up within the standard uh, to allow for different ways that students learn as well. So it's not necessarily, if you think about it, like if you've seen the Achieve the Core map, it's not a linear progression. So we don't do A and then B and then C. What we've learned is that, for instance, a fourth grade skill that you know is about fractions is requires an understanding of addition and subtraction. It also requires an understanding of division. And then it requires an understanding of what a fraction actually is. So there are these multiple skills that lead one to higher levels, right? So in order to scaffold that, we want to make sure that the student has opportunities to do each of them and then move forward. So they're grouped by standard and the teacher can select from you know, which activities are within that specific standard. But then in addition, the engine will make recommendations based on students' performance. So the engine will say, you got a gold, you know, you did well in this, let's try this. And then if that student fails a particular activity a lot, because they just they're not there right now, they're not there yet, then the engine will recommend an, a scaffolded activity, which is a little bit easier to help that student get ready to be successful. So a, a big thing I think is really important to, to point out is this is all based on, you know, cognitive science, brain science. We are working um, with Digital Promise with, which on, a, on a grant for improving the learner experience. And, and they're talking to us as well about this, the cognitive science basis of it. And they're pretty happy with what we've been doing, but you can always get better. And the biggest thing to sort of wrap your head around is you have to approach every student as though... They are temporarily inconvenienced on the way to success. This isn't a self-evaluation, right? This is not a, am I good enough? This is, what do I need to do to achieve this goal? And so it's to depersonalize failure and make it just part of the process. And what a way to look at it, you know, because failure is, is such a, an important part of learning um, and making it, you know, this valuable learning experience, but also not you know, inhibiting the the progression of student learning and saying, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to do this anymore because it's either too hard or it's not fun anymore. You know, what a way to look at it and help students improve their understanding. And and one of the things that I think I forgot to ask at the beginning is what is the the age range or what is the grade range that Manga High supports or would be expected to be used for? That's a great question. Thank you. So it's from kindergarten through 10th grade. And um, the, I think I want to go back to something that you said. Um, and you're right. Failure is absolutely part of the process. 
But given that we start in kindergarten, we recognize that learning has to be welcoming, right? You, you want to feel like you can be successful. It might be a little hard, but you can be successful. And so everything around the platform is, is fun, it's colorful, there's characters, et cetera. And so I think the biggest piece is we, tr we wrap bite-sized rigor in a really fun package. That's the idea. What a tagline right there, bite-sized rigor in a, in a fun package. And it's exactly that I've seen, the, you know, I've seen the platform and I've, and I've used some of the, of the games, you know, to learn some of the math and see what it looks like. And it, it is just that, right. It, it's, it's engaging to the user and it makes it fun, but at the same time, you're applying your understanding of mathematics, which I think is, is huge. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the global pandemic, which, you know, has sent a lot of our students home to be learning from home. Has, has your software been used more now because there are students at home and and how could teachers kind of engage their students using manga high to help them continue learning mathematics because we're learning it could be learning at a distance thank you that's a great question um so yes is the answer um, i think we had about ten thousand schools sign up in three weeks when the pandemic started um, yeah, which was an incredible opportunity, and um, we offered it for free from March through the end of um, the school year, which was mid-June, I think we were able to do that, which I think we felt very honored to do. Um, you know, our CEO even came out and said, look, we just have to do this. This is the right thing to do. And so, and what we saw is that when students are at home, it actually brings us face to face with the question of what is education and what are the trappings of education and how do we genuinely reach students and support them and challenge and support have to come in equal measure so a lot of the time when we have anxiety it's because we feel we do not have the skills to address the situation in front of us that's that's what anxiety is at least when it comes to this situation right any situation really but so when students are at home, the fact that we've had a lot of a lot of difficulty with math anxiety and we have a lot of students and teachers who are feeling unfulfilled with their relationship with math, let's say that, that this had really this really brought it to the forefront. And that made engagement and the ability to be supportive as well as challenging at the same time front and center. And so when students are at home, you, you really have to have something that's genuinely engaging because you also don't have that that biofeedback, right? You, as a teacher, for instance, I can't loom over my students and go, how's it going? Do you guys need any help? Right? They're, they're going to just turn Zoom off or whatever that is, right? They're going to turn on a background and disengage from me. So I, as, a, as an educator, have to work a little harder to reach students when they're at home and to recognize that this is stressful, right? Especially for students that maybe don't have you know, don't have as many support systems at home to, to be available. So by having something that's fun and rigorous, but also, you know, feeling like I can do this and putting it in a fashion that is attractive to students and engaging for students means that we were, I mean, we even had students that, I mean, so poignant, right? High school students that were trying to pass Algebra 1 in junior or senior year. So it had a bit of a rough go of math for a while. Um, and they had to work because of their family's socioeconomic situation. So they're on their way to McDonald's, to their job, and they're 17, and they're playing manga high math games on their phone, right? And, and so to me, that's like a, wow, we are doing something right if we're handing you the tools to be successful right now. And that's what it should be anyway, is are we handing you tools to be successful? 
And are we helping you do that? And that doesn't mean we hand you everything because definitely you need a lot of grit and resilience to do it. But we should be providing you with enough support that you can handle the challenge in front of you and minimize your anxiety and maximize your learning. And what a, an amazing way to put it, you know, the tool that can go anywhere. And you just mentioned, you know, a student being able to learn as they go to work or maybe even on their way to school. So what or where is Manga High available? So is it an app that I can download for iOS and Android or is it a web-based service? Where and how do I access Manga High? You can actually access it anywhere. It is web-based, but it, that means it's also designed for mobile. So you can access it from a computer, from a tablet, from a smartphone, anything that has a screen pretty much. In today's day and age, is such a great service to be able to access it on anything that I have because many of our students would have multiple devices that they want to access this tool from and, and amazing to have it as a web-based service so that you're able to continue to go to the same spot um, and have that, you know, your, your progress stored and your information stored. So which leads me to my next question, which is security. What kind of information do you require from both student and teacher when signing up? So if a teacher is adding their class to Manga High, you know, what kind of security features or, or what kind of information are you requiring from students and teacher um, to access the platform? Thank you. That's a that's a great point. Um, so it depends heavily on what the teacher and administrators feel comfortable sharing. That's really what it comes down to. We do not require any personal information. So we actually have some schools and teachers where their their accounts are literally Math Ninja One, Math Ninja Two. There's no personally identifying information at all, right? And so that that is one potential. Um, usage of the platform. And we do have schools and districts that do that. I mean, and, and you can understand why, right? Like, so for some people that have a higher profile and they just want their kids to be able to learn and have fun. And even if you just release their first name, but their first name is Apple or North, that's in identifying information. So obviously, and, and even though we comply fully with COPPA, FERPA, GDPR, you know, all the international protocols, we still make it an option for teachers and school, and school districts to choose not to have any identifying information at all. If they want to, uh, the most common one is first name, last initial, simply because that's an easier way for teachers to be able to navigate around the platform as opposed to go, okay, Math Ninja 2 is Amy, and then, you know, it's a little easier for them. But, but again, it really just comes down to whatever that district and school feels comfortable sharing. And then it's, we also fully comply with uh, with all the security protocols around maintaining the privacy of student data. Like we don't share it, we don't sell it, we maintain it on the continent where it's where it's used, et cetera. And that's an amazing feature because, you know, sometimes the hesitation is even though you only require first name, last initial, or it's non-identifying email addresses, that is oftentimes, it could be a hesitation for a teacher to say, well, I don't really want to put, you know, my students' names in there. So giving that option you know, to have non-identifiers like Math Ninja One, for example, even though it may be a little bit more difficult down the road to identify who it is, you know, might be a feature that someone wants to access because they don't have to worry about those security features or security breaches or, or anything of that standard. And you mentioned data being stored on the content continent that is being used. So that brings me kind of a bit off of it on a tangent, but more towards curriculum. So I, I believe Manga High is used in a lot of different countries and different areas. So how do you align to all of the different curriculums that might be out there? Oh, that's a great question, actually. Um, to also just finish the last thought we were talking about with regard to security, et cetera. So gamification, having it be fun, security, worry and anxiety are cognitive load. They are. 
And so anything that we can do to reduce cognitive load on students, on teachers, et cetera, is all to the good because then you have so much more capacity to focus on the things that matter. So that's a big, that's a big reason why that's done. Um, to answer your question with regard to curricula, uh, the, there are 58 separate curricula, I believe. There might, that can change, right? Because we add them all the time. Um, but we have an amazing content team led by our content director, Paul Carter, who of course has his PhD in neuroscience um, and is a huge fan of and an advocate for um, appropriately meeting the learner where they are. So what they're actually, what they actually do, that whole team um, is consistently creating new content and it's curated content. Like it's not, again, if you had a, if you had a, like an activity that's at seventh grade level, when you assign that, what you're going to, what that student is going to experience though, is an uneasy, they're going to get questions that are closer to about late fifth grade just to get them started, build some confidence. Then they bump up to medium, which more goes, you know, between it's on its way to seventh grade curriculum and then by the time you get to the hard questions which is only about six questions in if you're you know if you're fairly proficient it that is fully aligned to the standard and then the extension questions are broadening not just going up so easy medium and hard does tend to be a little bit more linear but the extension questions broaden and even touch different areas of math etc so that means that what they're creating is not simply questions aligned specifically to a grade level, but a curated path that allows a student to ramp up, right, to grade level. So how do you do that with 58 curricula? <laughs> well, they, they, what they do is because they're creating and they're, they're adaptive, so there's more than 10 questions per activity. There's about 40 because, this, because it has to adapt to how the student is responding, right? They get it right, they get it wrong. They get it right, they get it wrong. They might need 10 medium questions the entire time just because of where they're at with this particular concept and what they need. So what the team does is they very carefully construct curriculum that is built to standards. Um, and then they also, when they go in and align that, they figure out, okay, what specific piece do we need to make sure we're doing to align properly to the um, IGCS E curriculum or the IB curriculum or two of the curricula in Australia or the Canadian curricula, right, or U.S. Common Core or Sunshine State. So they create this, this backbone curriculum and then they, they go in and they tweak and modify based on whichever curricula it's going to be aligned to. So typically that looks like there's 40, um, there's 40 questions per activity and then they might need to add a couple in order for it to really fit with an Australian piece or they might need to add a couple more to make it really fit for Virginia. And that's an interesting way of doing it, you know, being able to pull, like you just talked about, building this backbone and then pulling from that. I think that's amazing. And what a strategy to have into building this, these questions, depending on where, you know, the user is. So that's, I think that's a fantastic feature. And you mentioned something there, which is, you know, proficiency of students and then determining, is it a medium question or do they move on to, to hard? And is that, you know, in the, in the engine itself, is that calculated by time or is it just correct or incorrect answers? Oh, that's a great question. Um, it actually is a, a reflection of the user journey. So for instance, if, the, if it's not just one or the other, <laughs> and it's definitely, you can turn the timer off. And in fact, during the pandemic, I recommended to all schools, turn the timer off for everyone. Again, that's not cognitive load they need. Like right now, they just need to, to sit with it. Now, if you're doing exam preparation or there's a reason to say, okay, we now need to pay attention to your procedural fluency under time constraints, then go ahead and turn that back on. But in terms of conceptual understanding, I don't think you need that right now. So in, it, to, to just kind of back up a little, the when we measure success, 
we don't measure success based on time unless the timer's on. But the way that success is measured and, and medals are earned depends on how you progress through the content. So if a student goes easy, medium, hard, extreme within 10 questions and gets everything right, they can actually achieve a bronze medal because they've demonstrated conceptual understanding at the hard level. But the system also checks to see, is this person guessing? So when you start any activity, you start on easy. And then your second attempt, and we recommend three attempts, so then your second attempt, you start where you left off. So if you left off at hard and you go, get it right, get it wrong, get it right, get it wrong, get it right, get it wrong, you might have five correct at the hard level, but your behavior indicates that you might be guessing. And so that can actually limit, it can draw out the time that it takes you to, to earn a medal. So what it really looks for is demonstrated competence in a way that is statistically significantly unlikely to be guessing. That's quite the mouthful for how do we determine <laughs> when they move on to the next level, but the math behind it makes sense, right? And you, and and so oftentimes you don't want it to just be time. Oh, you took five minutes on this question, yeah. so you're not going to move up a level. Which, to your exact point, is such a an anxiety, a stress for students to say, "I need to go super fast because if not, I'm always going to be stuck at this level." So it's great to know that you know the the software behind it, the engine behind it, looks at so much more than just a numerical value of time or right or wrong. And has you know a justification behind how to move up, um, or even earn a medal, if you will, depending on on the area you're in. So I think that's that's fantastic. So we've been talking about what seems to be an amazing product and a service to kindergarten all the way to grade ten, um, and you're able to support students in their journey through mathematics by engaging them through fun, you know, and, and making it enjoyable. Where does a teacher go to sign up for this, and how do they? access Manga High, and then what would be their process? It's a loaded question. What would be their process to then getting their students into the software? Oh, yeah. No, thank you for that. So you, they can actually just go to mangahigh.com and they can sign up for a free trial right there if they want to do that. So, and then we actually have, um, we also firmly believe that education is all about automate what you can and then what needs to be personal needs to be personal. And the automation should should buy everyone time and quality of life. So you can automate your grading, you can automate the adaptivity, et cetera. But and we also we carry that out as our as our value. So anytime a teacher goes in and signs up for a free trial, they're gonna get emails from us saying, wanna book in with a specialist to talk about how you can make this work for you. And we mean it, right? So and I'm on the list, right? You can book in with me. So but we do mean that. So everybody that that signs up for a trial, we want to make sure that they get in with a specialist so they can determine how this can fit or if this is the right fit. And and I'm always I always feel like, you know, we're here to make a big impact and improve student learning. And if for any reason, you know, we get through the process and we look through the whole thing and we say that maybe the, at the moment this doesn't look like the right fit for you for whatever reason because there are some environments like we are we aren't currently in French. Right. So there are some environments that we're not able to support. And I think it's important that we be honest about that. But then we also be honest about what we what we can do. And then let's evaluate based on that, you know, honest discussion. So but for the most part, it also tends to be about this is the curriculum I'm using and I need to know how it can work in. Uh, for instance, a lot of teachers right now are saying, I just want to plug and play. <laughs> I don't want to have to assign things. I just want to tell my students to go. And so then during that session, we spend time just explaining, oh, here's the easiest way to implement that. And if you'd like, I can start by assigning your students five basic activities. And then once they do that, the engine will kick in and start making recommendations based on their performance in those activities. And they're off and going. 
and what an, I've said it before, but what a nice feature, that personalization of it, you know, saying you're signing up, let it, let's have a conversation, not just let you go walking aimlessly into the platform and not know where you're going or what's going to come next. So is that something that's ongoing for you guys, like professional learning for teachers, you know, even if it's free or if they've signed up for, for this service, is that something you offer to your subscribers is this professional learning opportunity? Oh, thank you so much for asking. I'm actually doing a professional learning uh, webinar later today, in fact. <laughs> um, yeah, which is uh, navigating the rough seas, supporting uh, struggling learners to find to find meaning, right? To find meaning in what they're doing. Um, we do a lot of professional learning. Yeah, in fact, November is the is professional learning month, and we actually provide that. Um, there's a level of professional learning that we make available to everyone, who, who anybody who wants to learn for free. And then there's um, also professional learning and, and development that we provide to to people that do subscribe to the service, um, and that and we deliver that over time. So usually three times through the year. So a basic getting started with the platform, and then we do a one-on-one -on -one personalized session to help make sure that you're getting the most out of it and it's meeting your needs. And then we also do another one on reporting and making sure that. So when you look into reporting, what do all these gold medals mean? And how do I make that meaningful? And how do I use messaging? And and you know, I have I have a gap here. No one in my classroom is is able to to handle fraction, decimal, and um, percentages conversion. And I need help solving that. So we make it we make it a point to include professional learning throughout the journey. And sometimes that eases again. We talk about easing stress and anxiety. And for teachers who sign up to a software and use a product, that is something that is essential is knowing that there's someone there and somewhere to go to, to learn more about the how and the why of a, of a product, because that often gets lost by the wayside as you, as you've paid your money and you've been kind of lost in the waves. Um, so we've talked about subscription a couple of times, and I'm sure our listeners are wondering what is the cost of a subscription? If that is, a, can we ballpark it or is it by user or is it by school or by district? How does that work? And what would be an average cost for someone looking to use Manga High? Sure. Well, the number one thing is, again, you can go to mangahigh.com and sign up. Um, you can sign up for a uh, for a trial right there. And you can also go and put in the number of students that you have and get our published pricing right, for any particular group. So we do actually have a variety of different pricing models and that's to support, you know, different. So we have, we'll have teachers that they're just one classroom and they are just like the personalization warrior in their school and they only want it for one classroom. And so we, we wanna support those teachers. So we have classroom level licensing, we have um, per student pricing, which generally makes sense. Like if you have a, you know, you have an elementary school, but only fourth and fifth grade, let's say are going to use it. Although I think we have an amazing new primary offering out, which is really cool. Um, if I can't get my own kids to stop playing and they're in middle school, I think that's a good sign. <laughs> um, but anyway, so um, there's classroom pricing, uh, site license pricing, and then there's district pricing. And if again, if you go to the site, you can do that. But I think at the moment we we start with, and this is just our published pricing, we start with about $11 a student. And then that's the most expensive pricing. And then depending on um, site license and district level pricing obviously comes down from there because it, it allows us the opportunity to to provide a price break at larger quantities. Oh, that's great to hear. And I would encourage our listeners, if you're interested, to, to go check out megahigh.com and see what those published prices are and even reach out to get you know a, a price, a, a quote that might be for your class or your school or district, whatever it might look like. So I, I, I think that's great. And I think the product can serve its purpose within a classroom, but also at home, especially in the times that we are in now. So Candice, we are now at a point in the, in the show that I like to call the specialist top five, which is... What are your top five ways that you believe 
Manga High can help teachers transform learning in or out of the classroom? I, I did want to say, you know, for anybody who's interested, they can always they can always email us. You know, they can email us at uh, support at mangahigh.com so that, um, you know, we can so that we can work with you in your situation um, or they can just ask us questions. Right. So it's whatever you see on a Web page is never the final answer is is kind of in general. But but at the same time, it's like just just drop us an email. Right. And we'll we'll go through that. So, OK, so top five. So what are the top five ways I think Manga High can support learners? Is that the right question? Yep, absolutely. Okay, great. So the number one thing I think is that it drives engagement. It makes math enjoyable, and we know that everybody needs something to look forward to. And one of the biggest problems we face right now is math anxiety and cognitive load. And cognitive load is true for teachers as well as students. Um, but again, anxiety is what happens when we feel like we don't have the skills to manage a situation. And the way that Manga High is able to do that is, number one, adaptivity. Um, and adaptivity does that by ensuring that the student is engaged at just the right level of challenge, like not so hard that they're discouraged, but hard enough that they're genuinely growing. And gamification, obviously. And gamification does that because it allows it allows us to take our minds out of a performance-based method uh, evaluation of success and an experience-based measure of success. So if you feel like you're on, you know, on front street and you're going to be judged by how you perform, it's, it creates anxiety. But if you feel like you're just there to have an experience, you're just going to go play basketball, you're just going to go play a game, then it, it, changes, it changes the entire dynamic. And then the fourth one is, I would say, the biggest thing is, in my book anyway, is it builds that sense of resilience. It builds that sense of, I didn't fail, I just need to try again. Or, okay, I failed, but either way, I need to try again. <laughs> I'm just temporarily inconvenienced on my way to success. Um, and the fifth one, I think, is the competitions that we have. <laughs> so the platform itself is super fun, engaging, you know, and, and, and shivvies you along in a Mary Poppins kind of way. But the final thing that we do is we have these really cool competitions that, are, that we have twice a year that allow schools to compete against each other across the continent. Two of the Canadian schools, by the way, just took in the top five. And actually one, I think the school that won was Canadian. So you guys are definitely bringing it. Um, <laughs> but it offers students just another another avenue to take a look, right? Another, another reason to look at it too, because in real life, if you go, let's say, and you want to work as an engineer, you're going to win any particular project by solving problems. So we, it gives it students an, an opportunity to feel like them solving problems has meaning and they're on a team and it's fun and they get prizes and it just kind of creates this atmosphere of joy, which I think is fun. An atmosphere of joy is every educator's dream in a math class, I would say, is uh, what an amazing top five and, and, and what a way uh, to tell our listeners about Manga High because if they haven't checked it out or haven't heard about it, I encourage everyone to go look at the website um, to see what it has to offer, because I really think that there's an opportunity there for it to transform learning both in and out of the classroom. So Candice, I thank you so much for being on the show. And before we head out, I'd like to give you the opportunity to share anything that we have may have missed uh, during our conversation. Oh, thank you. Um, let me think about that. Something I missed is follow us on Facebook, Twitter, all the socials. We also have a brand new Facebook educator support group. And we'll be doing Facebook Lives and we'll be doing mini professional developments that are seven to 10 minutes long. I think we did talk about how we have a 30-day free, free trial for anybody who wants to do that. We do obviously ask that you be a teacher. <laughs> oh, we do have a for home product too. 
So, which is worth knowing, because I know there's a lot of students learning at home and parents are taking more of an active role in their kids' learning. And so if they, you know, if parents would like to be engaged, they can certainly do the Manga High for Home product and they can find that information on the website. Um, we also have reporting for districts. Uh, and, oh, we did talk about, you know, partnerships that we're building in order to just strengthen our ability to support teachers and students across the world. And that includes, obviously, the incoming NWA assessment partnership. We're working with Google now. So we're doing a lot to try to really support students and, and teachers. And again, I really do think it comes down to reducing cognitive load and providing the right kind of challenge. Um, anything else? Let's see. Oh, the next competition is in February. So it's called Mfluencers. They're a week long. You can win really cool stuff, including Amazon vouchers. And this time we actually made um, specialized masks. And so the mm -hmm, and so the top five, the top five achievers, I think, the top five point getters at the top ten schools each get a mask that has a, a trophy on it and the you know manga high branding and that kind of stuff. And the thing is, you can't buy them. It's like a um, marathon finisher shirt that has to be earned. What a cool way to finish that off. And I encourage everyone, I mean, February is right around the corner then, and, and those, you know, those challenges out there and what a cool way to earn, you know, like a specialty item that like you mentioned, marathon shirts, only marathon runners can earn them as you finish the race. So check out the, the competition and, and, and you never know, you might be that class that reaches the top 10 and, and, and earn some of those specialized masks for those students who, who reach the top performers within that challenge. So Candice, once again, I thank you so much for joining me on my Creative Classroom podcast to share a whole lot of information about Manga High. And I encourage all of our listeners to head over to mangahigh.com and follow them on social media at Manga High to check out more information and more details about what they have to offer because you never know, their platform may help you transform your classroom in and out of the classroom. Well, that's all the time we have for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Candace Stump from Manga High, and I hope my questions help you make an authentic decision as to whether or not this software can help you transform learning. Don't forget to follow us on social media at MyCreativePod, and don't forget to subscribe to us on whatever streaming platform you are listening to us on right now to get updates on when a new episode comes out. As always, let's make learning creative. I am Brian Willette, and this was My Creative Classroom.